It's so nice to have you back. Welcome. I've got more letters this week or more complaints this week about last week. So nice to have you back. For those who are wearing shorts, I know it is a major fight. I've had, I've had feedback from everybody. Thank you so much, all you dog lovers. And, and you've got to realize eventually it's not about dogs or about tattoos. It's just, I'm just trying to insult you. One of my sons said, what about the guy on the back last week who clapped? He's never going to come back to church. I said, he probably was never, ever part of our church. So, oh, Dad, you can't, he's in the back row. I said, I used to sit in the back row and shout at the preacher. But he's bad. Don't relax. It's okay. Even the leaders are like, hey, Rory, well, we'll, we'll, it's okay. It's all right. Jesus did more for us than we actually even realized. But my son and I have got an issue on um, the size of our shoulders. So come, Tom, let's do it in front of the crowd. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying to work out. Um, let's try the other way. How are we doing? Still me. Still me. As one of the bodybuilders said, you can't wear your wife's shirt because you look like Barney. So I said... Thank you. So I see everybody's going and uh, we're having a lovely time. And uh, if you insulted last week, it's quite fine. Um, this is not the most comfortable church to be part of. I actually met a guy in um, the bathrooms. I meet a lot of guys in the bathrooms. His name's Andre. It's his second week here. Last week was his first week. So nice to have you back, Andre. Welcome. We'll see if we can get rid of you in two weeks. And I said, how did you get here? He said, well, I came from the church in White River. The church in White River was planted by me when I was a rugby player at school. God spoke to me in 1987, 35 years ago, when I was an unsaved schoolboy rugby player. God spoke to me and said, you must start a church in White River. And 35 years later, a man from the White River Church is in our church because of a schoolboy. So you never know what God is doing. So it might be offensive, but we're trying to build for Jesus. Amen? It's nice to see. So I got this cartoon from one of my friends this week. Uh, this cartoon... Tong is wrong. And slucker in my keel is for made to feel. And, and, and actually it looks like an incredible protest. Hey? That's how protesters operate. And, and we've all got, and, and one guy came to me and said, one thing about you, Rory, you're an incredibly fussy eater. So I said, actually, guys, not about food. It's not about food. I'm trying to, you, you know, the Bible says we must be, transformed in our thinking so we have a conformity in our minds that will only ever get challenged if i take you on i'm not actually trying to fight with you i love you i love you and i'm committed to your freedom in christ so don't get offended i'm not trying to offend you around clothes or pluckies or sh i'm not trying i'm just trying to take on your thinking so that when you leave here you've got to think about it. you think well was brains right or liver right or who cares about Rory things? Exactly. But what does that mean in the gospel? How, how do we, the reality is we've got different eating habits, we've got different cultural habits, we've got different holiday habits, we've got different sleeping patterns. And God puts us all into one room and he says, now guys, you're going to sort it out. Either you're going to protest like this, I don't eat this and you eat this and I don't do that and I don't like to jump and worship. Friends, my worship style should never offend you, and nor should yours offend me. I'm not trying to make you dance and jump. 
I'm just telling you, I dance and jump. And so I'm not trying to put my preference onto you or put your, we're just trying to make this thing work. And it's hard. You know that. I mean, people left here. They were so, Oaks wanted to sort me out last week. And I thought, you've missed the point. You've completely missed the point. I, I, seriously, do I like dogs? Of course I Do I like Christmas trees? You know, my dad and I, friends, I lived on a farm. My dad and I were going to cut the Christmas tree every year. Then we'd bring it in. With, I'm not anti-Christmas trees. I'm just trying to irritate you. <laughs> do, do you understand? So that we at least can think about it. And, and, and then one of our members pulled the beer, took his wife out to show her how to eat oysters. And this is how it turned out. You see, the issue, friends, is not to try and force people to eat what I like or don't like. The issue is to, is to have a... A guy said, oh, but, but hey, it's offensive to Stephen and Eugene because... You were kind of making them feel bad because they, guys, that wasn't the issue. The issue wasn't whether they eat chicken livers or not. The issue is, is, is how do they and I continue to enjoy breakfast together? He's going to continue to eat chicken livers. I'm going to continue to not eat chicken livers. But the issue is how do we find, it's not like bad Eugene, good Rory. No, it's just like, and, and, and I said it very clearly I wasn't trying to preach as a strong man and, and, and people who don't dance and shout are weak people. We've all got strengths and weaknesses. One lady over there, she came up on Sunday night. She lost 60 kgs this year. I've put on 30. You think, I need to go and spend some time with her. <laughs> do, do you, under, do you understand? Yeah, so, so this is not a comfortable church, but it's not meant to be. So, so, so actually get yourself out the middle, put Jesus there, and we'll get on much better. Okay? So if you, it's very difficult to preach and then leave out next week's preach and live with this insult. Of, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like to be disliked. It's horrible. Now everybody's got a running opinion on everything. You dog lovers, God bless you. Have an amazing Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? <laughs> okay, verse 15. So, so, so we have Romans, we, we, we've had six or eight months of this incredible, um, incredible foundation of grace. We have been credited with righteousness in the most incredible way. Where people have left this church because they tell me that I'm a liberal theologian. I don't believe in sin and I don't believe, I'm not a liberal theologian. I believe that God's judgment will come. I believe that we're meant to walk away from sin. But we so preach grace that people are like almost thinking Rory's gone on a grace message. I have. You've got to fully understand that completely. Understand the credit of God's righteousness. When you understand it, only then do we start speaking about the second part, our behavioral patterns. And now we're starting to speak about it. Everyone's like saying, whoa, hey. Now guys, you can't come here for one or two or three or four weeks. You've got to come here for a long time to understand what we're trying to say.
Amen. I'm credited with righteousness. Whatever your debt is, if you're sitting here and it's your first time in church and you are a filthy, dirty sinner, I want to tell you that the credit of Christ is enough for your debt. It's enough for your debt. Amen. And then we get to Romans 12. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. Say that. Just because of everything that God has done, I start to operate in a different way. And there are eight relationships that come in Romans 12 and 13 and 14. Eight relationships. My relationship with God, my relationship with myself, I make a sober assessment of myself. Don't think too much of myself, don't think too little of myself. Number three, my relationship with everybody else. Some people's good at greeting, another person's generous, somebody else works in the car park, somebody else works behind the computer. We've all got our own different relationships. Fourthly, my relationship with my enemies. There's a certain way that I treat my enemies in view of God's mercy. Because God has been kind to me, I'm kind to them. Because God treated me graciously, I treat them graciously. Not eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Number five, my relationship with my government. Right now we're busy voting. Between parlor parlor and digital vibes. But you and I stole from God most of our lives. I stole my resources. I stole my time. I stole my gifting that God gave to me. God gave me a relationship gift which I stole for 21 years before I eventually. And now I'm going to stand up and tell me what I think about Cyril Ramaphosa. I'm a thief. I'm a thief. And so the way I relate to my government is through God's mercy. Amen? My relationship with my neighbors. Love your neighbors, yourself. I, I honestly believe my six neighbors have bought eight new dogs in the last five weeks. <laughs> I promise you. I saw a cocker spaniel there, a bull mastiff there, and I thought, Jesus, praise God for these beautiful neighbors. And then Romans 14, the weak and the strong, which we spoke about last week, which everybody got upset about, is how the weak and the strong relate. And it's not the weak who, are, who, are, who have got depressed or who are sick. It's not the weak. It's talking about weak of conscience and strong of conscience. Amen? So those are the eight major relationships. So let's read Romans 15, and then we're going to make a few points. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Say, not to please ourselves. Every human being walks towards pleasure and away from pain. Every human being walks towards pleasure and away from pain. God says, in view of my mercy, you must walk away from pleasure sometime, not to please yourself and towards pain. Yeah? As my friend Jochen said, Nooit in my leven, Rory, het ek gedoog dat ek sou kootbroek en plakkies kerk toe dra. Each of you should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. How many of you have ripped your neighbor down, even ripped your preacher down in the last week? We, we just love to rip people down because the lower we rip them, the better we look. But what he said, in view of God's mercy, I can't be any better than in view of God's mercy. 
Because in the moment that Jesus comes upon me, he gives me the highest position that I can ever get in this life, which is to be a son of God. And I never have to impress anybody because there is no higher position than son of God. And so I never have to pull people down. I don't have to gossip. I don't have to slander. I don't have to badmouth anybody because I don't have to pull. The only reason you pull people down is so that you can look higher. It's the only reason we do it. So they look bad and you look good. And he says, but you're already in Christ. You look good anyway. So you don't have to do that. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So what do you do with last week's insults wearing long pants? You absorb it. In the same way that Jesus absorbed it. Instead of taking the insult and walking around and giving the insult to other people, in view of God's mercy, you absorb the insult. And when you absorb the insult and you allow God to do something with you when you have been that guy at the back there who clapped his hands and, and I said, shut up. I don't know if he's back this week or not. But it's not easy to preach that when you know that only next week you're going to preach about insult. Take that insult and absorb it in view of God's mercy. And when you absorb that insult, God will do a work so deep inside of your heart that you will actually start to change a society that is insulted by the smallest things. Because Jesus was insulted for our sake. And the reason why we can be free is the insult that was meant to fall on me fell upon him. He absorbed it and then he spoke out and he said, it's finished. There's no insult that people can tell you. Uh, people say to me, you know, Rory, you are this and this and this. But if you actually know me, I'm far worse than that. Seriously. And so let's go and have a look. It comes from, it comes from Psalm 69. Let's have a look at Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. It's like, you know, when, when the water's here, it's, 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 you're about to go down. And this tells us, this is the scripture that, Jesus is, that Paul is using of Jesus. It's like most of his life, people just wanted to drown him. While he was busy baptizing him, they wanted to like put him under the water twice and bring him up once. It's like, let's put him down. Let's drown the guy. And then it says in verse 9 or verse 8, I'm a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my own mother's sons. Remember, all his disciples left him. Eh? Everybody left him. I want to tell you sometimes, friends, when I'm preaching about grace and freedom and taking on religion in this auditorium, it's sometimes the loneliest place in the whole world. I said to my wife when I got home last week, sometimes I want to get in my car and drive. I don't know where I want to drive to, but it's unbelievably lonely when you're taking on something where people are caught in something. A very lonely place. For zeal for your house consumes me. I love the church. And the insults of those who insult you fall on me. You've got to be able to take the insult, friends, if we're going to live a godly life. In view of God's mercy. How do you deal with your neighbors? Take the insult. How do you deal with the enemies? Take the insult. How do you deal with the government? Take the insult. 
When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me. I am the song of the drunkards. I remember my sister had a stripes 21st. Stripes and dots. So I had a pair of striped pants. That mattress material. And then I thought I'd date Melanie. So we went to the father's arms. Remember? And I got to the door. I said, table for two. And the band there was like... And they saw me walking in. They tuned. Ah, oh, here comes a mattress man. He comes from far away. And I can play. What can you play? I play the mattress man. The mattress, mattress, mattress man. I thought, flip. The song of drunkards. And the whole night, the guy just tuned. Hey, buddy, how's it? What's it like wearing those pants? It's like, you know what, friends? When we take a stand, drunk men will laugh at us. Drunk men will make a mockery of us. Drunk men will... And, and, and it's Christmas time as we sit there and we, and we make a stand for Christ. And, and your father-in-law has another triple whiskey. He'll laugh at you. He'll tell you you're an idiot. And you must absorb it. You must absorb it. In view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. When, this is a scripture. If you look at verse 21... They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. You know where that scripture comes from. When Jesus was hanging on a cross, they, they took a sponge. Uh, Stephen did it so well for us at Easter time. That sponge was the toilet paper that men used in public toilets. They would use that as toilet paper and they put it down there. They took that sponge, which was full of human excrement, and they stuck it into the vinegar, and they stuck it into Jesus' mouth. And when you read a New an Old Testament psalm in the New Testament, you must read the whole psalm. And he's now talking to people who are in the view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, your relationship with your enemies, your relationship with the government, your relationship with your neighbors, the relationship with the weak, there's sometimes that you're going to literally have to slick it. Human excrement and vinegar, bitter. You're going to just slick it. And you're going to stay in God's mercy. And you're going to keep giving God's mercy. You're not going to respond. You're going to absorb. Christmas is a time for believers who have sat under the word of God for nearly a year on Romans to absorb the misery of God so we can give away the mercy of God. Amen? Look how the scripture ends in verse 35. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it. And those who love his name will dwell there. Possess, inherit, and dwell. My prayer for you at Christmas time is possess, inherit, and dwell. What must I do, Rory? Just absorb the insult and slick the vinegar. Possess, inherit, and dwell in Jesus' name. For everything, verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Everything. Psalm 69, the book of Joshua, the book of Deuteronomy, everything that was written was written so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. 
May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you the spirit of unity. You can't conjure up the spirit of unity. You say, Rory, we're so cross with you because you're trying to make it. No, I'm not trying to make you worship anyway. I'm just trying to show you that righteousness is more important than worship style. And righteousness is more important than tattoos. And righteousness is more important than the disputable matters about dogs and snails and liver and tongue. That's what I'm trying to show you. And when we understand that righteousness, God will give us a spirit of unity. How? Young and old, rich and poor, married and single, English and Afrikaans, black and white, educated and uneducated, we will sit in the same room under a spirit of unity and we'll worship with one mouth and one heart. But until such time, you've got to do some slicking and you've got to do some absorbing in view of God's mercy. We don't have to change each other. We don't have to correct each other. We don't have to compete with each other. We are building a church that is completely different. There's no point in having a Greek church led by a Greek guy who speaks Greek. That's easy to do that. Or an English church led by an English guy. It's easy to do that. The issue is, is when you get an Indian family. And now we've got to sit and, 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 and we're, going to, we're going to eat together and we've got different eating habits and we've got different traditions and, 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 and we've got to work together and we've got to... We've got to try and find, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. Amen? And this guy likes beards, and that guy doesn't like beards. Guys, I don't like beards. It doesn't matter if you like beards or don't like beards. He likes beards. He likes beards. He likes beards. He doesn't like beards. It's irrelevant. He likes bodybuilding. He doesn't like bodybuilding. He likes liver. He doesn't like liver. It's irrelevant. The joy is when we can absorb the insult and we can absorb the vinegar and we can hide it in the righteousness of Christ and together with one heart and one voice we can worship Jesus. And sometimes the music will be too loud and sometimes it will be too soft. And sometimes it will be according to your liking and sometimes it will be not according to your liking. But together we are on a journey. Going for it in God. Amen? Now you can forgive me. Accept one another then. Accept one another then. Just as. Say just as. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Say just as. When you came in here, the people that I've seen get saved in the front here, he didn't say you must go and put deodorant on. He didn't say you must go and stop smoking. He didn't say, he said just as. You come just as you are. You, you come just as. And then we'll take you on a journey. But when you came here, when you got justified, just as. How do you accept me? Just as. How do I accept you? Just as. Afrikaans, we call it footstuts. 
Hoe het jij naar die kerk toe gekom? Voets toets. You push that clutch and it's like, wow, die clutch werk nie so lekker nie. Voets toets. So when you bring your parents to church, you say, mom and dad, die dominee is van Durban. Voets toets. Does this give you a balance to last week? Does this show you that in some places we're strong and in some places we're weak? In some places we've got a clear conscience and other places God's still working with us. That's why I can have a Christmas tree and some, you see, we don't have to argue. The Christmas tree is not an issue. The issue is, are people going to come to church on, on Sunday next week and are they going to get saved? Are you going to bring your family to church and will one person get saved? whole Christmas theme for one person to get saved. That's worth it. Amen? So that now, say now, through the encouragement and the endurance of Scripture, we might have hope. Two years ago today, 76 Eugene, 7.6 million rand went into Funda Linda Fenter's account to pay for this building. We had to go on holiday. We had an outstanding bill of 7.6 million rand, and we had zero money in our bank account. I want to just show you one scripture. Last Sunday night, we had a lady sitting on the stage here. God spoke to her, Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Can you put it up, please? Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God gave that to a woman who's lost 60 kgs. And she said, when I felt lonely, when I felt hungry, when I felt isolated, I went to Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. And on one verse of scripture, she's lost 60 kgs. Let's look at what it says here. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we may have hope. You only need one Scripture for December and January and 2023. Just one Scripture that will keep you going. I want to tell you my Scripture. I want to share a journey with 3CR that I've never ever shared before. But this is a Scripture. God speaks to me through number plates. Don't do this. It's dangerous. I've served God for 30 years. But if you can put the first one up, please. I was in Johannesburg the day before lockdown. We had a 90 million rand building project. Our elders were unbelievable. And I didn't know what to do, and I didn't know how to raise the money. And I was waiting for a man called Steve Johnson, who's a theologian. He was talking on the cafe next door. And in the car park were eight cars either side. I've only got pictures of four, but Steve Johnson can tell you there were eight. But there were eight cars in a row. Let me show you the first four. One, two, three, four. There were eight in a row. And I felt God say, go and read Psalm 46. The next day we went into lockdown. And Psalm 46 says this, be still and know that I am God. 
And I said, God, how are we going to raise the money? And God said, just be still and know that I am God. I said, God, but we're not even going to meet. No, just be still and know that I am God. And so God created an economic crisis. God created a pandemic, or didn't create it, but caused a pandemic, allowed a pandemic, and he allowed the church to shut down so that no man can walk through this building and say, we built this building. Through the encouragement of Scripture, through the endurance of one verse of Scripture, I can stand here two years to the day that Funda Linda Fenter got 7.6 million rand in the account today, two years ago. And I can appeal to you, don't worry about the insults. Don't worry about the things. That, don't worry about the vinegar you've got to suck. If you just get one verse of Scripture, it can see you through. And we trusted God, and little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit, the money came in. I gave my car away. I started walking. I would wrestle with God. And every time I wrestled with God, I'd walk down the Villa Bow Road. I'd see 46, number by 40. And God just said, be still, son. Just be still and know that I am God. The scripture comes from the man who was with me. We went into the whole series on it. That Jerusalem was surrounded by 185,000 troops. They were about to get taken over. And, and the king just said, be still and know that he is God. And they said, but we've got this, all this opposition coming against us. We've got parlor, parlor. We've got digital vibes. We've got a diesel price that's going through the roof. We've got an economic crisis in our nation. We've got Eskim that's... Just be still and know that I am God. And when they woke up in the morning, 185,000 soldiers were dead. And the king took his troops onto the battlefield and they stood on the battlefield and said, now you must be still and know that I am God. And then our money ran out. Then we had no money in our bank accounts. And I was going to Johannesburg and this car came in front of me. <laughs> Friends. And then God said, now you must be still and know that I'm God. I'm in charge. You can't build a building. You can't make this thing work. Just one verse of Scripture. What's your verse? I know, I know a girl in this church that lost 60 kgs and one verse of Scripture. Shanae, I don't know where you're sitting in this building, but I was praying for you this week, and it says this, the lady who lost her husband, Richard. It says, God is close to the brokenhearted. So now there's a scripture for you. I don't know how long you're going to have to hold on to it for. I don't know where you're sitting. I know you're here with your mom and with your two boys, Luca and Adam. God is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He watches my coming and my going both now and forevermore. And you know what happened is we met as an eldership. I don't know if it was Clint or, or Stephen. I can't remember who it was. But we, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how much. We had about 600,000, but we needed to pay 7.6 million. And, and we had about 600, Eugene, I can't even remember. And one of our elders said, we must give all our money away. And I'm like thinking, geez, China. Seriously, give all our money away. He said, give all your money away. And, 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 and we have a praying eldership. I can tell you that. We've got a praying eldership team. It was Clint to one and said, guys, let's, just, let's clear our bank and trust God. And so we gave, for those who think I don't want to build Afrikaans church, there's a church called Unite 180 in Montana, an Afrikaans church. We gave them 500,000 rand. We gave 100,000 rand. 
to a church in the city and we had diddly squat left in our bank account. Not a cent, nothing. Nothing. And I went on holiday. Because God said, be still and know that I am God. And I hired a golf cart. And I didn't even know, and if you say, well, Rory, you organized it. Downstairs is the, is the pro shop, and upstairs is a golf cart, and came, and Thomas said to me, he said, hey, Dad, check the number plate. And I felt God say, you must go and play golf, and you must rest, because I can build the church better than you can. And three days later, I invited a friend of mine from Muscle Bay to come and play golf with me. Friends, one verse of Scripture. One verse of Scripture. In view of God's mercy, you can actually be a citizen of this country and get on with your neighbors and deal with their dogs and, 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 and absorb. And, and when the pastor tells you, you can come back the next week and give him another chance. And, and, and. Because he's given us enough Scriptures to hold on to. When we got to the halfway house with this guy, when we got to the halfway house, this was the picture that we got. Eugene sent it to me. I don't know if that young lady is here. It's a single lady, I think. I don't know her name. I think she drives a Polar Golf. But she drove in here three days after we gave our last money away. She drove in here. She never took her mask off. She said to Eugene, in 1975, my family started collecting money. You can work it out, friends, 75, 2020, in the 46th year. In the 40s, I always thought it was 2021, but I went, it was 2020. But in the 46th year, after her family started collecting money, she came and dropped that money off at the church. That's six million rand. She dropped it off. She got into her car and she drove away. I don't know if you're here, young lady, but the biggest giver to this building project is a single lady as far as I know. How do we build the church? Guys in Porsches or just single girls in polos? I don't know how we build the church, but God can build the church. And then a couple of days later, as I was driving along the road, I got this thing. My surname, my name is Rory Dyer. Just be still and know that I'm God, Rory Dyer. And then Eugene and I went and sold the gold to Mr. Kruger, and this is his car. That's Mr. Kruger's car. Just be still and know that I'm God, Rory Dyer. Be still and know that I'm God, Mr. Kruger. And then Andrew Shipley phoned and said, hey, you, you know we owe Funda Linda Fenter, VV, Funda Linda Fenter, we owe them a lot of money, Rory. We, we owe them like 7.6 million rand. And then I was just driving along the road. And um, just be still and know that I'm God, Funda Linda Fenter. And Clint got on a bicycle and he raised 2 million rand riding down in the Munga, just 1,200 kilometers. And, and one week we had naught and the next week we paid 7.6 million rand cash because God wants to build his church. This is a building. What about your life and your family? And what, what about that? Surely he can take care of cars and jobs and surely. And I thought I was going mad. So I said, oh God, you've just got to speak to me again. Please, just confirm it to me one more time because I'm a bit like Gideon. And, and then I went to pick my boys up and I saw that. And then, and then this son is at boarding school and I'm tired of driving to boarding school. So I wanted to send him to, 
to a school in Pretoria and, and he went to go and look at boarding school and then and he went looking at Pretoria and then he went into the headmaster's office at St. Auburn's, Shane Kidwell, who's here. And I walked into his office. That was on the headmaster's wall. And because of that, I chose where my son went to school. He said, Rory, that's... Now, I served God a long time. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Just as the insults that fell on him fell upon me, the vinegar that he sucked comes into me. So that with one heart and one mind and one mouth, we can serve God. In Jesus' name. Amen.